I'm going to um, just uh, continue from this morning and um, want to welcome all the online viewers. Is this going online tonight? It is again. So hi, great to have you all. It was great this morning, wasn't it? Yeah. I, um, I reckon that was awesome. I loved it myself. <laughs> I did. I, um, oh, I just been on this thing, Killing Giants. Now, how many, um, Killing Giants is, is just so good, isn't it? Um, it's, a, it's, it's something that, I don't read the Bible as history. To me, it's all there to be, yet to be done. It's not a history book to me, it's a revelation book. And there's a big difference. So um, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to finish a little bit of that, the last part of it I couldn't fit in because we ran out of time and we had to go and have lunch. So we come back here and I'll give you the last little bit. Is that okay? Or do you want me to jump to something else? I can. Uh, right. Right, right with this, okay. Hallelujah. Father, I am blessed. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to go to the book of Samuel again, uh, number 17. It's all about David and Goliath, so I don't need to uh, do too much here, but I want to read a few scriptures to you. And before I do, just understand this, that how many are you aware of the giants, right? They're big 10-foot people, big ugly mutations, uh, some demonic input influence into the human race by demons back there, way back in Genesis. And it produced this, this offspring of giants specifically there to stop you. And um, they're big. Giants don't guard little treasure. Everything that you want is behind a giant. If your battle is next to nothing, then you're not going to get much. If you are having little resistance and fighting little things in your life, that's not where your future is. Your future, your treasure, is behind the biggest battles of your life. Those big things that are in your way that are obstacles, that are stopping you from going any further in your life with your family, with your church, with your call, and with what God wants. I'm telling you. And if you don't learn to be a killer, kill what other people won't kill. David walked around, you know, after he sliced the giant's head off, he picked them up by the hair. That must have been some sight, huh? This blessed man that was after God's own heart. <laughs> he carries the head in his hand. If you've read chapter 17, he didn't just leave it on the ground there. He's the dead monster. I killed him. He pulled him up by the hair and he carried that head with him when uh, Saul wanted to know whose son was this. And he carried that head as to say, I've killed this giant. I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear before I got on the battlefield. So I've killed this giant. And what he was saying with that head in his hand, that he was now opening up a new day, a new era, a new future, a new hope, a new place, a new New Zealand, a new city, a new town that you live in, a new day for you tomorrow. In 24 hours, a whole lot can happen. You go to bed tonight, you're not going to wake up the same in the morning. Joseph went to bed one night as an inmate in prison. The next day, he was to be a prince in a palace. True story, Joseph to be a prince in a palace. He was locked in a, in a place where he was confined, and then the next day, he was in the place of control and power and wealth. God can do it overnight. Oh, one and a half years. God can do something overnight in your life. 
You didn't just come here to hear a message and go out and say, good. I want to put something in your life tonight that you go back home, and when you wake in the morning, something has been transfused into your heart. Something has come into your spirit. Something has, has challenged you now that you are not going to be the same person that's sitting here tonight. Amen? Tell your neighbor you're not going to be the same. Okay, now look at him and say, you're not going to be the same. Okay. Everything that you're wanting is on the other side of the giant. Your future is on the, not the side, it's on the side of killing the giant. Giants are not problems, they're promotions. When God said, the other place in the book of Numbers, He says, uh, when you, I've got a land flowing with milk and honey. I've got a good place for you. A land that's going to give you great houses, he says in Deuteronomy, and I'll multiply your blessings, you'll be no more lack, and I'll multiply your gold, your silver. Can't help myself saying a quote in the Bible. You okay? I'm sick and tired of people living in rags. <clears throat> they, may not, they may like it, but I, I don't want them to stay there because their kids don't want to be there. If they want to be there, well, they can stay there, but their children don't want to be there. So that means that they really didn't want to be there. They've been so culturized and living in the other side of killing their giants and going through to the land that flows with milk and honey, you can actually begin to believe the lies on this side. On the other side is all the treasure. There's all the land. It, it flows with milk and honey. All the resources, material resources, all the treasure, all the resources we need. Your houses, I said, I'm saying it again, you will not lack on that side. Deuteronomy says, on the other side, it is a very good land, he said. But the only one thing that the people realized through 10 negative spies out of the 12, 10 who came back and only two came back with a positive, we can, we can do it. We're well able to knock these giants over. If they're political giants, if they're social giants, they are abuse giants, they are fear giants, they are money giants, whatever that giant is that's stopping you from taking your next step, you've got to understand that your next dimension is ready to be entered there. Okay, so here's, here's what I want to do, because while those things are behind there, the most prized possession that was behind the giant of all giants is people. That's the greatest conquest. A soldier and an army only have one thing on mind, conquest. I'm here to not take sides. I'm here to take over. Let's get this straight. If you don't take your city, I'm coming back in six months to get it. Sorry, Pastor. I hope you're still friends. <laughs> I say that in every town and every city. New Zealand's a little place to me. It's only a little wee island. I'm after it. I've only got a certain amount of time. I've worked it out. I've just come into my best seasons of life. I'm flying. I'm not going to apologize for what I'm doing. I ain't going to be here to explain to everybody why and who and where I am and what I'm doing with people and where I'm leading the men and the women that are following. I'm not here to try and uh, sit down and, and uh, to explain and to, to repent to some people who, who misunderstand what we're doing. Okay. 
So I'm going to leave the part this morning. So if you're in here this morning, uh, you have to get the, um, the MP3 or however it comes or scrounge it off Facebook or somebody else or get it made with it or something. It's somewhere you'll get it. But listen, in that I, I explain a little bit about how David took time to nego- negotiate what was the reward for him. What, what, where, where was the, the spoils? I'm not getting into this battle for nothing. Whatever you're putting your efforts into, it's got to be bringing back something that's going to go into eternity. Does your job do that? Does your recreational pursuits do that? Nothing wrong with them. You're needful, but that shouldn't be the priority of your life because they have no value on the other side. The other side is what you live for, not this side. Behind the giant lies the real treasure. So you've got to understand this. That it's going to take something extra special And I'm going to push something into you tonight. I'm here tonight to put courage in your heart. I'm good at that. I know my my good gifts, and I I have a gift of putting courage in men's heart. And and I'm going to show you something here. Is that right? So I'll read a couple of scriptures. So he inquired, and he said, the king said, for whoever kills the giant, I'll enrich with great riches. Okay, so David said, good, let's sign it over here. And he says, you get my daughter as well. Uh, that's awesome. And he said, uh, your whole family and your household will be tax-free. Um, how many would just right now can do with that kind of blessing? <laughs> the middle one maybe have to be sorted out. <laughs> Married men have to, yeah. Anyway, sort of like, okay. <clears throat> um, I want to go down to 32. And David said to Saul, here it is, that's what I want to do, let no man or let no man's heart fail. Don't let your heart fail. Don't don't let your heart be disappointed. Don't let it get to the point that you can't retrieve it. That you can't keep your strength. Don't let your heart forget what God told you when you first became a Christian, or a little bit later on, when a word was given to you, when you you felt or you heard something that inspired you about you, don't let your heart forget it. Don't let your heart fail. That's a beautiful thing that David does to a whole lot of men who, who had just brutally gone over him to tell him he was arrogant and what was he doing there. And he was now encouraging their hearts not to fail. Like Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you are going to betray me. You're going to move away from me. But I pray for one thing, that you, you don't lose your faith. That your, your faith remains strong. I, I, I want to I tell people in this room, somebody listening to me or watching or listens to this later, I want to put this into your heart, courage tonight. Courage to stand up in your storms. Courage to make the hard decisions. Courage to take that next step that you haven't that's going to put you in another place in your calling and get you progressing forward to what you're doing. Don't go out of this meeting not knowing that God wants you to do something, whatever it is, small or or big, but you've got to make some type of action, some decision. Let no man's heart fail. 
you know, because of this Philistine, I'm going to go and fight with him. We did this this morning. For, uh, I'll go and fight with him. That's right, he says that. And he says, Saul said to, the, to David, um, uh, you, 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 you're not able. You, you can't. You're not able. I'm going to go and let no man's heart fail. I'm going to go and fight with the Philistine. Then a voice comes from somebody who should know better. And he's now going to try and steal his expectation. He's going to try and rob him of his courage. And he's going to try and steal his personality. Hence, he's going to offer his armor to wear. Let me tell you this, this is one of the most amazing moments in the fight between this monster who holds the future of God's people and a whole lot of people who should have known better who were brothers in the faith, God's people. And at the moment that he declared that I've, I've come through this rattle behind me and my own family trying to discourage me, tell me I'm arrogant. And this gives me proof to the fact that when David turns up to say, I'm gonna, I want the reward, let's get it cleared, <laughs> clears that up. Then he says, I'm going to go and kill the giant. He's not even counted as a trained soldier. He turns up, so you've got to understand from a reasonable perspective that you could say somebody bouncing up in here, declaring all of this stuff and being so believable about it. Got to tell you that this boy's been pumped up. <laughs> he, he's, he's, done some, he's done some work on his self-belief. He's very happy in his own skin. He has done what I believe is the biggest thing that I ever did. When I began to really succeed and make traction in my call, the greatest thing that I ever did was to believe in me. Believe in me. No trouble in believing God. That wasn't the problem. The biggest problem was to believe in me. God can believe in you. Other people can even believe in you. But if you don't believe in you, then it doesn't matter what other people believe about you. Huh. This is so critical. Uh, I just want to, I want to camp here for a moment. Because I really feel good about who I am and who I'm becoming. What about you? Do you feel good about you? And I ask that genuinely because it seems to me that in the Christian world that we can be the, the most judgmental people. Unfortunately, I'm not saying here, I'm just saying by the proof of this, it was brothers. Philistine wasn't even getting to that depth of, or that low. He was just challenging for the fight. He had other things going on there. The giant was guarding. He was, 
But this, the real big problem before he even gets to the, the kill is about five minutes, I reckon, huh? By the time the stone hits him, he drops to the ground. He slices his head off. He could put it just about in five minutes. Five minutes to kill Goliath, and Lord knows how many, how many minutes, and, and going into maybe 35 minutes, 40 minutes, I don't know, that he's now tussling with other people that are trying to tell him who he isn't and who he could be and who he's not and what he could be and what he could do. Can you believe this? That the real battle wasn't Goliath and David. The real battle, the real battlefield for you was overcoming your self-doubt, overcoming the unbelief that people want to put into your heart into your mind, the people that try to steal you away. Oh, now I, I see something very incredibly powerful here that, that David has already come through a scragging from his own brothers in his own house. Don't, don't, don't underestimate this, that when the moment that you receive the call of God, one of the things I want to tell you right now is that you have the freedom and don't let anybody rob this from you. And probably the worst enemy I could point out to you is you yourself. You, you never let anybody or your self-doubts rob you of the desire to be great. The desire to be great is an intrinsic motivating force deep in the human being. Because what we lost in the garden was glory. What the devil stole from you was the glory. And ever since man has been on a trip to find that high, find that inflated sense of greatness, the real greatness of the person that I am, that I'd be created in the image of God Himself and even confer upon me as being His image and His likeness to the point that God said that you're so damn good that one day I'm going to live in you. And if you're good enough for God to live in, man, I'm good enough for you to accept who I am. But, unfortunately, the biggest killer I've seen of people rising to their fullest potential, we haven't seen the best of you. The fullest impact of you is not coming yet. No, no one near it. The best of you hasn't come out yet. The full impact of who you are hasn't hit us yet. No, 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 no. There's a lot more in you than you give yourself credit for. I don't care if you're 16 or you're 60 or 70 or 80. No matter who you are, male or female, whatever race or whatever, it doesn't matter whether you've got mud in your bag or you've got nothing. Right? That's got nothing to do with how you believe about you. When you're about to, to step into your greatest moment of fulfilling your dream, fulfilling your call, doing something that God has put into your life. And then there is a voice 
like the voice of God in your right ear that gives you that. But on your left ear, there's this whisper from the devil who's telling you things, lies that you cannot do what God's given you to do. And you cannot be who God has called you to be. Mm. I would say that most of my ministry, and that's about 38 years plus, has been building men and women's lives up to a point where they are ready just to receive what we call just the, the standard things of God. You know, just to, just to enjoy life, to, to start to get some, some, some safety and some stability in their life so, so that the blessing that they have, that then life needs to know about that you're blessed. That's really good. You're blessed, but life needs to know you're blessed. And it takes time for somebody to get to a point where they've stabilized their life the emotional ups and downs, and there's still the twists and turns of life, but where you used to go up with the life and down with the life and up with the life, now you're more stable. And so the storm now does not come into you or through you. You can be in the storm, but the storm is not in you. It's kind of, you know, it doesn't mean to say that they're going to stop coming. It's just now you're far more steady in it. I, I, I know that where I'm going, I know who I am. I'm beyond trying to figure out and I'm secure in my call, and I can give away um, leadership, I can give away position. I can, if anybody comes to me now and says, I'm an apostle, I say, go for it. <laughs> Why do I, 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 I've all my life growing up had cold water poured on me from men who didn't know better in the movements that I was in, saying, you know, I'm going to do this and build a church, and I said, you can't do that because you're not experienced enough. Another one said, you can't do it because you're too young. Whew. 24, too young. I think David's about 17 when he's swinging his, his bit of cloth and a stone to take Goliath out. You know, it's, it's just there. Sometimes, though, you think that that shouldn't happen. But always in adversity, it creates opportunity. Always in somebody's, in the resistance, you develop persistence. You get stronger, so quitting is not such a consideration anymore. You now become a solid rock because there are not a lot of people who can attain to certain measures of emotional stability. It's a bit more of a personal talk tonight. Because so many others are going to depend on you doing it. The measure of my security and who I am allows me to have the number of soldiers that I can command. The level or the measure of my influence in my churches and, my, and the nation that I'm in is given according to the, to the levels of my tolerance of pain. <laughs> That's why I went for what I went through. Because Christians always think negative on when another Christian goes through something. Because you curse your crisis. But the crisis actually builds you. You are not made in the mountaintops. You are made in the valleys. It's, it's, the, it's the struggles that actually where I found my success. Oh, this is good. It's in those moments that you are pressed against the wall that something in you breaks and you realize that you just lost anger. You realize that you just lost pride. You realize that you just lost secret lies. 
You just realize that you come to a position that now you're getting the complete package. You the package. And the only package you need is three things. Faith, hope, and love. Because everybody at one time is going to need one of the three. That's all I do. I'm a walking package of it. And I feed it to my men. I feed it to our families. I feed it to the woman. I feed it to the children. I feed it to my church. I feed them strength, not weakness. I feed them love, faith, and hope. I don't ever put water and pour it on the personality and the belief of somebody's possibility. Isn't that wonderful? That the possibility. Try to, try to, try to steal all of their goodness and what they're doing. And, and so you find that the, the beautiful power of possibility, the power of possibility, the power of possibility, the power of possibility, the power of possibility. The, the devil will try to steal your possibility. What you believe is possible. And Jesus said, all things are possible. And me believing that the great thing that God has for me, there are going to be people put in your path on purpose. They don't even know it. That will seek to control your future. Just when you come to a moment, you're going to take a step forward. Somebody's going to come into your ear and say something. Why are you doing this? You know, you, you need an income and a living. Why are you going with that direction? You know, because that's not much up there. You don't get anything in that direction. Help, you're sort of helping those people over there. Why, why are you thinking of going to that church? Why do you want to go to that church? Why do you want to follow him? Little ears, little, little voices, I should say, in the ears, whispering in your left ear. God said it in your right ear, but the whisper in your left ear. God has spoken it in your right ear, but the whispers, they come in your left ear from people. I'm going to now fight our enemy. You're not able to go and fight him. Yeah? Yeah, it's there. <laughs> you, you can't do that. You can't be that. Hmm. How dare you, boy? <laughs> Who do you think you are, boy? You're from South Auckland, boy. You're from Flaxmere, girl. Who do you think you are, girl? Hey, boy. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's another boy that's trying to tell the boy he can't do that. So it ain't just somebody that you think is a, an authority. Sometimes it's your friends that are in the left ear whispering. Mm. See, Saul, the spirit in Saul was already contaminated with fear. Saul was already contaminated with fear. He wouldn't even move to fight the giant. His fear went through the whole army. Fear is like a flu. <laughs> Just goes through everything. Faith is not so catchy.
It's easier for you to fear than it is for you to have faith. Tells me, I'll show you. So Saul is contaminated by, faith, uh, by fear. David is totally infused with faith. So Saul is fishing in the man at the last minute in case he does succeed and makes him look a fool. Embarrasses him and everybody else on the side of the hill that what he is about to do they should have done. So at the last minute when he has a resolve in his voice, all the power of your words when you speak and believe what you say. I will go and kill the Philistine. So let no man here have fear or his heart fail. So what happened was there was any number of people sitting in the room that could be doing what I'm doing. There's any number of people who, who could have got off the side of the bank and killed Goliath. The problem was that their heart was contaminated with unbelief, with fear. So I just want to give you a principle because this is how I build men. This is how I build strong men to last the storms so we can get the harvest and get to the other side into the land of milk and honey. Now, you got to understand, because, because all our lives we grow up hearing more people telling us what we can't do than what we can do. It's just human nature because we're born into sin. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, for all have been born to sin, and that's sort of the, so <clears throat> we're actually born into a negative side. It's just, it's the factor of the, the blight of the human race through sin. And so it's um, generational and it's passed on, transfused into us. So little kids will fight at kindergarten and haven't been taught it. One can be a little child, can be mean to another little child. See, that's the nature. Right? Little kids can be mean to each other. Been in the schoolyards and teasing each other. Most of your childhood uh, psychological um, breakdowns come from the schoolyard and from childhood because we're so impressionable. And, and at that moment, we're forming our identity. We're, we're trying to get back what we're in deficit to. That Adam lost in the garden was our glory. And we so much have lost that, that we're in a place of being almost naked without and feeling inferior. And so therefore inadequate, not worthy, hard to talk to certain people with my eyes looking in their eyes. Hard to believe that you can be more than what you are. Hard to believe that people will accept you for what you have and what you do. Hard for you to believe that you can stand out Walk out from the crowd and say something that's going to embarrass you, totally cause you to be humiliated, and to totally wreck your self-image. <sighs> How powerful is the sense of that you're secure? I don't even know, honestly, if I'm totally secure. I don't know how secure you are. I don't know how secure any of us are. Meaning, I'm being honest, that every day I would have to wake up. And, you know, you mind to be honest? No? 
that you think that I've got it all together here and strutting around telling you about self-belief and the best thing you can do is believe in you because we're in such deficit that our self-belief has been so wrecked by the enemy. That's what he does. He, he, he gets and he wrecks us. So parents don't even know it and they say negative things. Oh, you're done. Get out of here. And we, we hear more stuff. They don't mean it, you know. You, you'll never amount to nothing. You're going to be like Uncle Willie, useless and whatever. You know, you're like your grandfather and, you know, stop that or whatever. And, and, it's, and it's, sometimes it's just innocent stuff. You know, we yell at kids and we, and we, we tell them the, the little mongrels or whatever or, um, you know, or sometimes silence. Suppression, suppressed. They feel no emotions and they don't get love from you. Some parents and fathers have never told their sons and daughters they've loved them. That in itself is an abuse. To be denied what builds their self-esteem, you see. See what I'm talking about? How big this is. An inferiority complex starts in childhood in most of us. And we'll spend all our lives, amazingly, having to deal with this one psychological problem. Makes men hit the bottle, hit the drug scene, join gangs to be get some type of you know, feeling of belonging or they'll go into white-collar crime and do sneaky, um, you know, stuff with money and swindling and all this sort of, it goes on and on and on. People want to be politicians because they want to be somebody and control other people. You wouldn't believe how many politicians are probably dysfunctional. You wouldn't believe how many pastors, pastors are dysfunctional. How many congregants are dysfunctional. How many counselors are dysfunctional. I'm being honest and real. We're all majestic ruins. So much in the image of God, but so emanating the traits of old bad breath, twitchy ears, pointy tail himself. Okay, all right, I'm going to just do some things here because this is the biggie. This is the biggie. I would, I would be mostly fighting with this, this spirit and people, the inferiority spirit. Don't forget a whole nation going into the land. God says, I've given it to you. And there was millions of them, 12 spies, leaders, see? 10 of these leaders were contaminated with it. The contamination of fear, fear and inferiority, meaning you're less than, feel less than, just not good enough. I don't think I'm worthy enough. I find it difficult to talk to some people or anybody or all people. I'm afraid to public speak. And I, I understand, buddy, that's a, that's a horrible thing because everybody's looking at the one person like this and you're staring and, you can, and you're feeling like, man, I feel exposed and naked here. I know what that feeling's like. Head down. Some of our cultures change us to have our head down, keep quiet, and say nothing. Wow, that's a nice way to help our communication skills. I can tell you a whole lot of things. A whole lot of things that I had to break through on. A whole lot of things that I had to have enough wherewithal to stand and break through. Be bold enough because the constant fight. So you've got a whole nation that have been given the promise of good things. What, what sabotages your, your land of milk and money and honey? What sabotages 
a beautiful future for your children and your grandchildren. Ten people who influence what was already susceptible in a whole nation, a whole nation. What stopped the whole of Israel entering into a land that God said it was theirs before they went in, right? So the giants were going to be no problems. He was going to be with them to do it. If God is with you, he's promised you all the promises, and he's going to fight for you, and he's already said all the promises are yours, what is so powerful that can kill even God's assistance in your life and the promises in your life? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Ten spies who saw even the land of goodness, heard preaching every Sunday. Sorry. Heard God say this. They came back and what did they say? They said, yeah, she's a good land, all right? It's good promises. We can take the Hawks Bay. It's ours. We can, we can really do this thing. We could suddenly have miracles. We could really have all the provisions we need. We could change the, the abusive cycles, all the generational curses in our families. We, it, is, it has got everything there, all the promises, great houses, wonderful gold and silver, no need, no lack at all in that. What's sabotaging your resources, sabotaging your future and your life? What's sabotaging your greatness? Ten guys that come back and say, yeah, it's all there, but there are giants, walled cities in the land. In other words, there's some fighting to do. There are bigger things in us. There are more intimidating things in us. There are bigger people in us. There are more educated people in us. There are heaps of people out there against us, and they are more mightier than us, and they are stronger than us. They've got more weapons than us. They know more than us. And all this sort of carry on, you can go on with all of the excuses of why we can't do it and we can't be who he's called us to be. That what got in there and contaminated their self-belief. It was an inferiority complex in them that did the damage and it sabotaged your future. Because they end up saying, okay, we ain't going to do this because it seems like us giants, those giants and all the stuff that's facing us, we, we, we're just not up to it. So the last verse 33 of Numbers 14 says this, that um, we believe that we were grasshoppers. The, the, the grasshopper syndrome, affliction, I call it, is this, that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. The giants were actually afraid of them because they had God with them. God went before them and put the fear of him in them, of them, Israel. Can you look? Can you see that? And so then this grasshopper affliction was that they saw themselves as unworthy. An inferiority complex is enough to sabotage a whole nation. And then it becomes a generational curse that comes down the bloodlines into your children, into your life. And you have to fight this inferiority complex that makes you think that you're less than, that you're small, that you're little, and that you, you can't be what you're going to be. You can't stand up and be confident. Uh. And so a whole nation... Sabotage their future because of a low self-esteem. <laughs> it's a beautiful Christian people, beautiful churches. They're beautiful people, but so many of them I meet, I know they're struggling inside with an inferiority complex. 
just destroys their confidence. Here's a Hebrews 10 where it says, Do not throw away your confidence, for it shall be richly rewarded. Confidence is the vehicle of expression. I can only preach as good as my confidence is. I can only step up here and have you come with great expectation and me come with knowing that I'm going to do the job because of sheer one thing, because I just believe in me. And if that sounds so wrong to you, then how come it's so right? Right. Oh, yeah. You'll get scragged. Scragged by family, by friends, by people around you, and then strangers on Facebook, and just, you know, Christians. And, you know, some people think it's right what they're saying. They'll scrag the moment that you are beginning to rise. The moment that you think that you are good. The moment that you think that God is using you. The moment you think that God so loves you that you think that you're just one of a kind. Well, you've got to live with you, so you may as well do something about it. You can't hop in an airplane and say, I'm going to Australia because they had enough in New Zealand. That's somebody who's having an inferiority problem. But you're just taking you in the plane and your missus and your kids and all the kids and the missus are still going with the same contaminated personality of their father. And the plane trip is not going to change that thing. He arrives in Australia and he goes, woohoo, we're in Brizzy and the sun's shining. But he's still got that inferiority complex on the Gold Coast. And after the 12 months, the kids are still feeling it, the wife's still feeling it, or whoever it is, it could be anybody. I'm just giving you an example that, that traveling away is only a sign of when you're shifting around because you can't build your wealth always on the run. So, so this message this morning was great. This message is huge. Because if I'm going to carry God's word and his anointing, then I've got, uh, got to walk with my glory. Okay. Now, we're just about getting... <clears throat> David was told by somebody who wanted to molest his self-belief and get him to abort him. The moment that you capitulate to that, you spend all your life ragged, poor, broken, and always on the bottom of the social order. So what does David do? If I throw my head back and have a look with the eyes of my head, I'm pretty sure in the Bible, the next verse is, he said, uh, 
listen here, you clown. <laughs> Back down your rat hole. <laughs> See, because I just want to tell you about my resume. See, I, back there, I killed the giant, uh, the, the lion, and I killed the bear. Said, you know, like, I know that God's with me because I've already had some wins, some kills. That's what I said this morning. Get some kills under your belt because David got the lion and the bear got, probably got the thing hanging over his head, the bear's head, and pulled and gutted it, pulled all its head and its eyes out, and, and he probably dried it out and got the skin and he put it over here. Then he gutted the bear and pulled all his guts out and his livers and that and stuff and, and wrapped it around his waist and made some shanghais out of his whatever and used the paws for the end of his knives and made weapons out of the lion's fang and had a wall of boar's tusk around here. So he was a complete warrior. <laughs> Go to war with that man. All the many, never mind the, the inferior many, just one man who, who believes in himself. And he just bends his head when everybody's criticizing him. You know, you can't do it. You're too young. You're only a youth. That's what he says. You're just a little boy. That's what he said. You're a, you're a boy. David just bent his, <laughs> his shoulder and fends it off. Love it, don't you? Somebody's saying, who do you think you are? You know, you, you're not qualified. I had that one in the beginning of my ministry. And I hadn't even had anything. I just, I, st <laughs> I stood up in a school hall and put my sign up and people criticized me because I put my face in the paper. But I only did that not because I'm handsome, which I am. It's, <laughs> it's because the reason why I put my face in my, I gotta say my wife's face in there because that's the only advertising we could put in there. I didn't have a church. So I stuck my face in there and I did a smile and stuck hers and said, 10 a.m., I'm building the greatest church. Now I got criticized for people for putting building the greatest church this country's ever seen. <laughs> yes, it probably was a stupid thing to say when I had nothing in front of me and I was just started out building New Zealand's greatest church. That's what I put. I did. And I got criticized. I didn't get criticized from the fellow going to the pub either. <laughs> Actually, the fellow in the pub was my cousin, pat me on the back, go for it, bro. <laughs> Good on you, bro. And I said, do you want to come, bro? And he says, oh, I don't know, bro, I don't think so. Okay. What about old cousin George? No, no, George says you're crazy. I won't say the other word he's used. And then I thought I'd find comfort in the arms of fellow, you know, ministers. <laughs> And pastors. All I got was stripping down about the arrogance of putting that, that advertisement in there. Because that was me having a desire for my glory, my greatness. Because I didn't grow up with any. I never had anybody tell me that I was great. I had nobody that could tell me I could be, be what I could be. Nobody told me of the possibilities until I met Jesus. And Jesus told me I could be I can do anything I want. For whatever you believe, so shall it be to you. I like this guy. Oh, oh, he's awesome. Anything he says, anything you desire or dream. I thought, wow. So I slapped my photo in the paper, slapped the greatest church in there and said, come to my church. 
But then everybody wanted to pull me down, pull me apart. Brothers, sisters, and pastors, and, and other people on the street, and who do you think you are? Even my grandmother questioned me. <laughs> See? Now, let me tell you something, because I want to leave you with this. David, David does pull on something on his resume that he says, I killed the lion and the bear. But how does a, man, has a young boy kill a lion and a bear? How does he kill a lion and a bear backside of a desert? Because if you go a little bit back further in there, and the Psalms reveal some things about this boy. Psalm 139. He writes that Psalm. And he's saying, he's, he's going into a worship mode. He's, this is something you will like, this one. He says, I want to praise you, God, for me. I'm like, oh. Oh, I'm singing praises about me. I am praising you about how fearfully and marvelously. I, I'm, if you don't know, it's Psalm 139. For those that look at me like, I hate this guy. Well, you know what? Like, why do you hate me? You don't hate me. You're only reflecting that you hate you. That wasn't for this room. Somebody, what, somebody's going to give it to another person. Who's going to give it to another Christian. <laughs> okay. So he says, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Oh God, how marvelous are you when you stitched me to, together in my mother's womb. Such a perfect, good looking, handsome, oh, so gifted, beautiful boy. That's what he's doing in Psalm 139. He is, he is floating and puffing up and, and he's getting into worship that I don't hear in the church. Oh, because I've been told by the old timers, some of them are good, really good, but they say, don't know no songs about, about you, or don't you go ever talking about you, that's God's trying to kill you. Yeah, I know what that means. You know, I'm crucified, never lie. Unless Paul said, it's not I, but Christ that lives in me. It's the same Paul that said, you know, who are those apostles over there? Who are those apostles? Aren't I the apostle? Those super apostles, but I'm a great apostle too. And he said, oh, hold on, and, and half of Corinthians is, I'm just going to do some blowing. Yeah, so he said, if I have to gloat, boast, he said, I don't want to, but he's, he's kind of a cool dude. But he says, I, Paul. Well, away he goes. And he waxes lyrical about all his gifts and his revelations. And I even went to the third heaven in paradise. And I even meet Peter and I rebuked him to his face. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that you glorify. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by this guy who was actually establishing his self-belief and the people who were doubting his apostleship. He said, you're looking at me as being a skinny guy. And I don't know, they say in records and history, he might have had a bung eye, probably fighting some fellow who was another Christian trying to poke him in the eye because he was telling him about tithing and offering and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, and he's lost his eye because there's no eye people in those days. So, he, and he did it. And he said, because he, he said, don't judge me by my looks. <laughs> so he said, don't you think that I'm, you know, because I'm small and I've had some battles. Man, I've had some scraps with some dumb religious people and all sorts of, you know, dogs on the way. But I'm telling you, boy, what I've, I'm weak on the outside, but man, I'm strong on the inside. And my letters and my spirit prove it to you that my apostleship is given not by man, but by God. Yeah. Woo, give him a clap right now. That's a strong thing. And he's, he's establishing 
He's pushing against all these knockers, trying to steal you away so you'll abort yourself. That's the biggest abortions going on in life right now. It's bad with the babies they're trying to abort, but that's just the spirit that aborts those that are living who are trying to be them, be you, be the very good, best you that you are. Never be, never be apologizing about you. Never hide you away. Let you so shine. Stand out, stand up, laugh, shout, do what you do because you are a unique person in your own right. The uniqueness of you. There will never be another you. Never be another you. Make the most of yourself in this life because God decided that he didn't have one of you, so he decided he wanted one of you. So here you are. He got you here. He made your personality. He put you together so beautifully. What a wonderful thing when you think about you. How beautiful you are when you're in your best state, when you're in your most, your most positive position, when you've come to, to peace with you. I'm at peace with me. I am happy about me. I don't need to defend myself anymore. I don't need to go on Facebook now. <laughs> and that's the pastor. Anyway, so <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, all this sort of stuff, you know. And <laughs> sometimes the odd one's okay. You know, it's the, odd, the odd missile needs to be fired. Boom. <laughs> and then, then delete it. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Someone said, oh, yeah, you know that Brian Tamaki, apart from all the swearing and what they call me and all that, he used to be a Mormon and he ripped the Mormon church off. And man, I'm like, I've never been a Mormon. And, you know, I know better than anybody, you know, not to be reactive to that, but I, I do go to God and say, Lord, shall I hit him? No. <laughs> then I try and find a scripture to back it up. <laughs> oh, there's one there. Paul said, oh, the old the blacksmith Alexandra did me much harm, so I sick the Lord on him. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to just get to this part of here, this, this end part. How, what did David do to actually overcome this, this affliction that's on probably, this is my stats, 99% of the population. <laughs> just about everybody, except you say except whoever you are. You say except me. Right, that other that one percent is me. All right. So so what did he do? How does he? How does this guy arrive on the the field? He's all over the pages of the Bible. What what exudes out of this guy is that he just goes from through one you know barrage of of of, of criticism from his brothers, and he just it's like he's he's cool dude. He says. What have I got to do with this? Isn't that a cause? He's, it's quite good. He's not actually attacking his brother. He points him back to, I've got a cause. You should know the cause. We're in the same family. You're older than me. There's a cause. I'm compelled by this, this vision, this cause. There it is right there. So what is this that he's able to kill a bear and kill a lion? You don't do that because... You're by yourself, and it's your father's sheep, and your father left you out, by the way. That's how much your father thinks of him. He leaves him in the backside of the desert while there's an anointing service going on in the house, and he's supposed to be the one getting the oil. But the father and brothers think so little, so he really should suffer from rejection. 
he should suffer from a sense of abandonment. My father did not love me like he should have, because if he did, why did he not invite me along with my other seven brothers? And considering that he was the one that God chose to be anointed, that they left him out the backside of the desert. Oh, man. Man, I'm touching something here. So he should have really been in a position of having this pain, <clears throat> this bitterness in his heart, that my father didn't do right by me. And that, that is a bad one, <clears throat> being left out and rejected. So what happens here? This is what David does. He, he does the one thing that begins to turn this affliction of inferiority and taking this hurt on and all his life, like a lot of others, carry this hurt to cripple, cripples him emotionally, mentally, physically, in every way. He turns to God. That's where Psalms tells me. He turns to God, and Psalm 139 says, No, 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 I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he also reveals in Psalms that God has given him a purpose because he says, he has made my hands for war. He has given my fingers and my hands for battle and for war. They've been shaped for war. He, is, he has taught me how to fight. He actually, he actually does something. He gets it himself. He finds it deep within. This, this guy knows how to tap his deepest resources. He's the one when people turn on him, he encourages himself in the Lord. Remember this morning? He encourages his own self. If there's nobody else to encourage me, I'll encourage myself. That's, that's special. That, that's another level of depth in somebody. You got that. I just would like you to know tonight, you have got that. It's okay. If nobody's encouraging you, go ahead and have a, have a great celebration for you. By you, for you, with you. Yeah. Oh. You know, it's like, oh, yes, sir. What are you clapping about? Me. <laughs> yes, sir. Woohoo! What are you cheering about? Me. I am great. God loves me. He chose me. I'm the man. I'm the answer to the problems in this place. I got it. Boy, when I walk into that room, it's going to change. When I start to speak, God's going to fill my mouth with words. When I pray for them, it's going to happen. When I preach, it will work. And people will hear what i got to say, God will do the rest. You, you, you've got to go over and beyond all of the criticisms, all of what people have tried to say you can't do and can't be. You have to work something up within you. It's okay. That's your strength. That's your power. It's you. You've got to live with you, so do good to you. Bless you. I know, I know a lot of you guys, I don't know who your leader is, but I see you all the time, there's a mirror somewhere, you're looking in it. <laughs> guys worse than the girls, huh? The mirror, looking in the mirror. I don't ever do that, eh, Hannah? Nothing, never. I don't ever look in a mirror. Some guys don't go near a mirror. I know what it's like, you got to look in the mirror, ah, it's like, who's that? don't like what I see. I don't like what I see. Sometimes it is a physical thing. Do what you can. But I've seen some happy people who don't physically shape up. To, to according to who? According to what magazine? According to the comparison of what? Somebody else. Who says you're good looking and you're ugly? I'm not saying good, I'm good looking. 
and compared to a whole lot of guys, I say hardly. Paul said it's not good that we compare ourselves one with another. So I don't compare myself with anybody else, otherwise you're in trouble. You'll come up short quick. So what I've, my, my physical attributes are based on my perspective, my opinion, and my belief about that. So if you say I'm ugly, I can't be. Because I've already told me that I'm handsome. So if you believe it so much that you're handsome, guess what? Everybody else believes that I'm handsome. You all believe in TV land that I'm handsome. There's the one or two things says, no, you're not, you're ugly, whatever. But it doesn't, that, doesn't, that ugly doesn't count. It doesn't hurt me. <laughs> and if somebody calls you ugly and you receive it, that's because you believe and you've told yourself you are ugly. Because nobody else can tell you who or what you are because they're not you. I'm not in your shoes. You're not in my shoes. I ain't you and you ain't me. So only I can do me the best. Only you can do you the best. Nobody else can be you, tell you, or show you, you are you. That's why I appreciate you and you and you and you, because you're not me. So somebody different from me is beautiful. Right. So you understand? In this, I'm hoping that you're healing your wounded self-image. I don't care what you look like, and it doesn't matter to anybody else. I can, look, I, I, we had a, um, a young lady had her own in the, in the first church in, when I was in Te Amuru, and um, she had a um, little stump up here for an arm, and um, something happened, a sickness, and she lost her arm. And so she had a what you could call, say, a, a um, what is the word, eh? No, we have, it's like a quiz game now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was sort of, was the amputate, eh? A stump, well, I said stump. Anyway, we won't dwell on this because it's getting out of hand. It's like, <laughs> no hand. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. <laughs> She's my best friend, by the way, so. <laughs> so she had lost it here. But you would have thought that she, would, she had her arm in the hand, right? You would have thought she had one because she was never self-conscious of this, this defection, this loss. You, you see what I mean? So because she was not conscious of something on her that wasn't like everybody else, nobody else was conscious of it. So as if, if she had two arms, because she walked around, and she, she even had the audacity to see she entered into the um, contest, the, um, the idol of the, in the church or whatever one night, talent quest. And you know what she did? She was going to play the guitar. <laughs> True. <laughs> I thought he was going to play that pirate and the, you know, the pirate with that thing with the, oh no, that's one leg. <laughs> I got that wrong. 
so she hops up. I am hurrying up. Don't laugh. Okay. <laughs> she had this off, so she comes up with a guitar, and she starts to play the guitar. What did she put? A little pe pencil, was it? Something she stuck on there. But she, <laughs> I'm telling the truth. She hopped up. She sat with the guitar because everybody would be thinking, hold on. <laughs> How are you going to do this with the, with, the, with the arm? And that's the strumming arm. And we're all <laughs> I mean, we're not physical, is it? No, hold on. Yeah. Anyway, no, she couldn't do the chords with it. So that was a strumming arm. She used this. She hopped up and she just started playing it. And she had something and she used that little stump like she'd had her arm on. Nobody was conscious that she had a defection or a handicap because she wasn't conscious of it. The power of what you would highlight as being something that you're self-conscious of, then everybody else is conscious of it. We were grasshoppers in our sight. That's what they said, these people. They killed their promise. And so we were in their sight, the giants. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. They saw them as their victors. But the moment they saw themselves as grasshoppers, then so did they. But I want to tell you tonight, that's the furthest thing that you are. In the name of Jesus, I right now speak deep into your heart to say to you that God so knew that you were beautiful, the perfect person, that your date of birth, D-O-B, was planned by God for you to be born when you were born. And whatever happened at your birth, whatever defects that might be there, whatever people have told you that is not right about you, critically, have criticized your person, in the name of Jesus right now, I lift that curse out of your mind, right out of deep in your heart, where you've suffered for years and years and years about how you feel about you. I want to tell you right now, you're the most beautiful thing that God has ever brought on the earth because there's never going to be another you. Never. Don't you ever put you down again. Don't ever put to hell what God has taken to heaven. Don't ever believe what people say about you. Only believe what you believe about you. And this is what you need to say. I believe, I believe, I believe. I can, I can, I can. Let's say it together. I believe, I believe, I believe. I can. I can, I can. I believe, I believe, I believe. Stop. I am, I am, I am. Say it. I believe, I believe, I believe. I am, I am, I am. Someone beautiful. Most of the time I respond to people and say, how are you? So the odd occasion when I need to tell them off, <laughs> I say, beautiful. That's my response. I'm beautiful. How are you today, Brian? I had to teach myself a basic small little thing. Your body and your mind and everything else in your faith most reacts to what you say in your mind. Wow. So you can self-heal yourself by stop saying I'm sick. Stop saying that cancer's bad or stop saying that I've and start to speak positive because your body most reacts to what your mind is speaking.
the power. So I learned this, that a basic, how are you? You know, Kia ora, how are you going, bro? The very lowest you should go, really, is probably great. Then after that, fantastic. Then higher above that is beautiful. Then even above beautiful, fantastic, and great is sensational. But, oh, okay is unacceptable. Because okay, what's that mean? I'm okay. Some people say not too bad. Then you mean not too good. But okay, people on the okay level never do anything great. That's the problem. People who live on the okay level never expect anything great in their day. So when somebody says, how are you, Johnny? Say great. Beautiful, fantastic, sensational. But what happens if, Brian, I don't feel like that? That's just what I'm saying. I'm not asking for your negative mind to interfere with what I'm saying. Your positive mind should take over and say, now you sit and take a seat because I've been listening to your garbage for a long time. People ask how I am and I look down and say, oh, okay, I'm a, you know, or really whatever the other words they use, but say I'm great. Even if it's not happening, because you're starting to feed back to you what you need, your body, your mind, your, your thinking needs to hear. I'm great. I am great. Love it. Let no man's heart fail because of that thundering monster that's holding back your wealth. He said, I will go and fight the uncircumcised Philistine and I will kill him. Then from the side, this voice comes, you can't do that. And then begins to bring up some disability. You're a youth or you're this or you're not qualified. David stands up and says, too late, mate, out the gate. I'm going to kill him because I believe in who I am. He believes God. It's not a God issue. Don't, don't say that. I want you to say he believes God. That's a cover for a lot of people. I, I know you believe God. We all believe God. If you don't, you should tonight. It's about believing you. All right. Would you like to stand? Put your hand on your heart and say after me, Lord Jesus, Tonight I'm healed from any type of inferiority. Words that have been spoken over me that have damaged my self-esteem. Tonight I'd like to say, I am happy about me. There can be some changes, maybe a few alterations. I'll work on those. But essentially tonight, I'm walking out of this building and I feel good about me and I'm allowed to. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You made just me like me. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. What I, what I want to do right now, what I want to do right now, if there's visitors in this room, you don't know Jesus or you come from just, you know, have a visit and 
Look, I, I, I know it's time's running out, but I think this is so important. If you would like to know Christ, if you've, some of the things tonight I've said that have spoken to you, or you know somebody, look, be a part of the family of God. We'd love you to know Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give this invitation to you now. And, it's, and, and this is part of breaking this whole thing about fear, you know, shyness, and self-consciousness. If it's in your heart to make a change and you, you like what you heard, you're like me. But it's better that you know like the one who made me like this and made you like that. Would you put your hand up boldly and say, yes, I do want Christ in my life. Put it up right now if you're in this room. I can't see any other one. But put it up in this room if that's you. I know there's a lot of believers in everybody. One person. Thank you. Anybody else? Just, just put it up. Put it up. Yep. Thank you, sir. You know what? It's real courageous for a man or a woman, anybody to say, yeah, because that's what we did. I did it anyway. One night in a meeting like this at the back, I, I came. I want to shake your hand. And it's more of an impartation to say to you that God's got great things for you. You are destined. And you can dream that you can be great. And God's got great things for you. God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. You are great. Don't let anybody else say any different. So come, come and meet me right now. I know this is quite bold, and, but have you put your hand up or you haven't? But come, I'll shake your hand. Somebody come pray for you. Come, 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 come. Come right now and say, yeah, I do. Come, come, come. Come, come, come to the front. I, I want to shake your hand, congratulate you for your boldness. If you don't know Jesus or you're not a part of the church, we want you to be a part of this family. God healing your life, healing your life now. Come if you're sick or you've, you've had something in your heart that's dangerously taking you to the edge. This message should have healed you. But if you need prayer, come. But I, I want those who don't know Jesus, you want to receive Jesus tonight or you're not a part of a church, come, 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 come. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. What I'm going to do, keep, keep coming. Keep coming. If you're thinking about it, please come. I'm going to give this uh, microphone to, to the pastor here. And I'll, I'll come and shake your hand like I promised. And uh, bless your life. Bless your courage. Come, 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 come. Anybody else? Those listening by online and wherever you are, receiving Jesus Christ as a matter of just by faith. Asking Him to come into your life and have your life and turn your life over to Him. You can do that where you are as well. But in this room, come. Come, come, come. Come. Good. Good. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. You want to, all right. You want me to do that? Okay. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me, all right? And those watching too online, I'm going to do this. This is about asking Christ. This is what changed my life. This is what changed thousands of people's lives all over the country today have met in churches and wherever they were. Makes a, gives you, this is the best thing. You ready to pray this prayer of faith? You ready for your life to be changed? Okay, pray after me and everybody help us. Lord Jesus, I believe you. I believe you died for me and you rose again from the dead. By your blood, I'm forgiven of all my sins. You have cleansed me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give myself to you. Now, Lord, I want to be planted firmly in the church so that I can grow on your word week after week with the preacher. Lord Jesus, I love you and I am great. Amen.
Welcome to the family of God. It's all done. I'll, I'll pass it. I'll, I'll just shake their hands. Awesome. Oh, you got yours. Okay. All right, I got mixed here. Yeah, yeah. Kilda. Beautiful. Beautiful. Lord, pray. I just, just. Well, want to together one more time for Apostle Brian Tumak. He's just fantastic. Those of you that have responded. We'd love to get some details from you. There's uh, Pastor Mike over here, and hey, Brett's got his hand over hey, there. We'd love to just uh, get you to follow him hey, after you've met with Apostle, and we'd love to talk with you, just let you to help you to find the next steps from him. So I'd love you to just to follow them afterwards, just in a few moments. How many people are impacted by tonight's message? How many of you have received an impartation from Apostle Brian? Come and put your hand up. I don't know about you, but I am so looking forward to having him back here in Hawke's Bay. How many people want to have Apostle Brian Tamaki back here in Hawke's Bay? I bless you tonight. We're going to just uh, finish one more time with worship. Those of you once more that have come up to the front, we'd love you just to follow Brett. But let's lift our hands, let's lift our voice in worship, and let's give Jesus Christ the honour and the, and, the, and the praise He deserves. Come on, let's worship him. I am chosen. worship you tonight. Have a fantastic week. For those of you that are traveling back from uh, out of Hawke's Bay, we bless you. Have a safe journey. Look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. Look forward to seeing you again back in the house of the God. God bless you.